0: Welcome to the Geneva Center for Security Policy podcast. Thank you for turning in. I'm your host, Dr. Paul Vallet, Associate Fellow with the GCSP's Global Fellowship Initiative. I will accompany you on the next 12 weeks to explain some of the latest global issues affecting peace, security and international cooperation, speaking with subject matter experts. Following with our examination of a year of disruptions caused by the global COVID-19 pandemic, after discussing last week its lessons for sanitary crisis management, today we'll focus on another aspect that has necessitated the handling, not just of immediate effects, but also long-term ones, that of education. Education has been impacted across the globe and for all ages and types of courses. One year on, several countries in much concern has been expressed about the negative impact of the interruption of schooling from the first grade to the university. What if, however, this disruption has been the occasion for new opportunities and methods for education to endure? As international executive education features among the core missions with GCSP, today I'm talking with Alexandra Thierry, who is the head of Learning and Innovation and Impact at the GCSP. She's held this position since 2016 after joining the GCSP in 2012 to support senior management's implementation of strategic initiatives and partnerships. She's a certified learning professional with work experience with the International Committee of the Red Cross and in an European External Action Service. Welcome to the podcast, Alexandra. <laughs> My first question to you is, uh, are there specific ways in which the pandemic has impacted executive education and called for special solutions?
1: Thank you so much, Paul, for having me. I'm really delighted to be here and to participate in this podcast series about the impact of COVID-19 and to specifically talk about executive education. Before coming to your question, let me first of all frame a little bit the context of um, where we are with executive education and the COVID pandemic. The COVID-19 crisis has sustainably impacted literally every aspect of life. First, it has changed the way people connect. So with all the restrictions on in-person gatherings, the digital tools have to certainly certain extent, replaced the human face-to-face experience in our everyday life. So second, the pandemic has impacted how people communicate. And here I'm thinking of wearing masks whenever we are in public and masking our facial expressions and the effect that this has on comprehending people's emotions and intentions, and specifically the impact this has on building trust, uh, which is so important in the peace and security domain and also in diplomacy. Third, um, COVID-19 has changed the way people interact. So the physical distancing and also seeing people as potential sources of infection is certainly something that is new and that also to, to a certain extent impacts how we see executive education um, during this crisis. And finally, it has affected how people work. A survey from Deloitte conducted in April 2020 revealed that the number of people working from home in Switzerland has doubled during the crisis. And... Even though the numbers are from the peak of the first outbreak, given the current restriction, we can presume that the percentage is still equally high. And all of these elements of so how people connect, how people communicate, how people interact, and how people work, they are absolutely crucial in understanding how executives learn. And these different dimensions illustrates quite well To which extent the executive education industry is concerned by the pandemic. So executive education is is not just about organizing trainings or organizing roundtable conversations or retreats. It is about connecting people and ideas. It is about providing space for open exchange and discussion. It's about building trust and a community that can take action to change the world for a better.
0: Thanks uh, for this uh, this first insight. And uh, of course, perhaps you might have something to say about what problems have affected international courses and uh, whether specific solutions have had to be designed for them. Um,
1: on your question about how the pandemic has disrupted uh, executive education, And if if there are special solutions um, that we came up with, um, let me just clarify two points. Uh, So first, I see the pandemic as a catalyst that has accelerated already existing trends in executive education Mm -hmm. rather than a radical game changer or a disruptor. So, for example, the focus on the digital transformation is not new. We have been thinking about how to get virtual education right well before COVID-19. But the intensity and also the speed of the change is unprecedented. COVID is not like a disruptor in executive education, but it's an amplifier of already existing trends. And my second point, is to answer this question, is, is that some of these trends will weaken again once the pandemic is over and others will prevail. Here, in answering your question, I would just focus on three big trends, which I have seen and which have amplified, which have been amplified by the pandemic and which I believe are here to stay even when the pandemic is over. There will be more technology and innovation. So this is probably the most significant trend that will last. COVID-19 has boosted digitalization in executive education dramatically. So this is really the main trend. So the global health crisis has somehow accelerated our digital trends transformation efforts by approximately two to three years. And that's really a development which which we could only have imagined pre-pandemic. Before COVID-19, traditional education models, especially for mid and senior level professionals, strongly focused on the face-to-face experience with hours and hours of in-person classroom sessions and networking events. And now suddenly overnight, this had, had to be reproduced in distance learning solutions. So we really went somehow from one extreme before the pandemic to another extreme during the pandemic. And uh, we need to rebalance this, that the trend will continue. And a special challenge related to technology and innovation in our specific field and for our audience, and I would argue that for younger generations of, and for the digital natives, this is uh, much easier, is to master the technology. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I think this is something we, we we kind of, with our audience, we... We focus on to make them fit for the technology that they need in order to be effective in the virtual environment. The second big trend that has been accelerated and that will prevail is that executive education will become more personalized and contextualized. So the virtual like learning in the virtual space has become commonplace and content and delivery has also become more and more personalized um, in virtual education. And we will continue to use the technology, specifically AI-supported systems, to contextualize the learning even more and to make it more relevant to the specific situation of our participants and also to their preferences and to their specific ways of learning. The technology will allow us to understand even better where the learner's needs and preferences are and where we can best support them and also develop them so that they can produce um, good results. So the trend towards tailor-made learning strategies has been accelerated and will prevail. And this brings me to my last point, lifelong learning will be vital in in the post-COVID world. So we have seen during the last months how absolutely important it is for any professional who wants to achieve impact to nurture your curiosity, to leave the comfort zone and to learn something new, to kind of take a risk, reinvent yourself. Uh, So for example, we all needed to learn to navigate the virtual environment, all the different video conferencing platforms, all the tools, we needed to learn this very quickly. Even the world leaders had to go through this. So maybe Paul, you uh, might recall the famous Can You Hear Me Mm -hmm. from Angela Merkel (laughs) last year when she faced technical difficulties during the World Health Organization Summit, like the virtual summit. And and even Queen Elizabeth is using Zoom. And even even though she has a team, but she she also needed to adjust and to, to understand how this works. So there's very powerful. There's a very powerful interactive map uh, on the web. It's called the sea of lifelong learning. Uh, You can find it on lifelonglearning.ch. And maybe you can put the the link also in the show notes, Paul. Mm -hmm. And I encourage you to go to the website and just to take a look. And uh, it is it supports a campaign on lifelong learning run by Digital Switzerland and the Swiss Employees Association, and it really spells out really nicely the different elements um, on lifelong learning and how I mean they impact performance and, and how important they are also for the future. So lifelong learning has been important for many years, even before the COVID crisis, but COVID is a a strong catalyst and, uh, in my view, also to strengthen the project even further in the years to come.
0: Well, thank you uh, for uh, pointing out these trends and uh, and for the reference, we'll certainly be uh, looking at this one, uh, too. And, uh, of course, with the GCSP, a lot of our courses, of course, are designed for an international audience. So, of course, I was wondering whether uh, we'd been uh, impacted in a specific way because of the international nature of our uh, audience uh, and, and, and subjects and, and, and whether we had to uh, devise specific solutions for this uh, particular type of courses.
1: Of course, the, the pandemic um, has, has put us, I mean, has challenged us in a very specific way. So how at the GCSP do we approach virtual education? So what we do is is we focus on three pillars that we believe are key to success in this case. So we have interactive designs. The second pillar is the prepared participants and engaging speakers. Um, And we can explore them one after the other. Interactive designs. Um, So we know from neuroscience how people learn. So we have quite a a good understanding in the educational research and also in neuroscience, how the brain functions and what we as educators need to do in order to make people learn something. Take, for instance, a classification of cognitive levels, which is called the Bloom's taxonomy. I don't know if you've heard about them all. It's quite well known in the educational um, uh, field, very well known. And it actually looks at six different levels of how people learn, uh, beginning from remember, understand, apply, analyze, evaluate, and create. And what we've done at the GCSP is, is we have thought about this taxonomy and we thought about how we can use this in virtual education. How can we, how does this, like the way people learn, the complex way of of learning, how is this, um, what does it mean for virtual education? So for example, to make participants apply new ideas, like to go to this apply stage, we propose them a simulation. Live online on Zoom, or if we want uh, participants to remember to retain, we propose to engage on a like on a content that we uh, propose on our learning platform. So, so this is all about interactive designs, which we believe is really important to get the virtual education right. And this brings me to my second point: the importance of preparing participants for the virtual uh, sessions and for their learning. So we offer. Extended learning journeys that last approximately a month and that unfold in three phases. In our phase one, which lasts approximately two weeks, we provide participants with um, introductory content and preparatory assignments, and we do some icebreaker, virtual icebreaker uh, activities with them. Uh, And we also do a kickoff event to show them their learning environment, to make them familiar with the technology, help them with, with that. Then we have a phase which we call the connect the dots phase, and then which is then followed by an achieve impact phase. And throughout the whole journey, we really make uh, make it really an important point about preparing the participants to, to this new environment. We've seen that some of our participants, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, they have struggled with the technology. Mm-hmm. So we really put a lot of effort into um, into supporting them with that. And the third point, what What makes our virtual education having been so much appreciated by our participants during the last years is that we make sure that our participants are engaging, our speakers are engaging. And I came across recently the top competencies for live online trainers at the top T O P P competencies for uh, live online trainers. And we can also put the references in the show notes (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you want. Uh, So what are these T-O-P-P, top competencies? So the first T stands for technical agile. So our speakers, they need to know how to navigate the delivery platform. And also they need to know how to engage the participants using the different features that we have at at the disposal, the chat, the annotations, uh, and so on and so forth. The O stands for on-air presence. So we want our speakers to be really webcam ready, well set up and and really ready to engage with our participants in a meaningful way. The first P stands for prepared and the second uh, P for participant engagement. So our speakers, we train, we coach our speakers so that they maximize the learning outcomes by asking specific questions Encourage interactions and really engage with the participants.
0: Oh, perfect! Uh, well, I was very interested by uh, the the points you you made about uh, the the trends being, uh, of course, materializing before even the uh, the pandemic and and you're observing that some of these trends will continue and and, and others may not so uh, that leads me to my next interrogation uh, which is uh, whether the uh, the solutions we've adopted for this uh, are, are some of them called to uh, become a permanent feature uh, in in your opinion or are some really more considered as temporary fixes and 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 do we know already from our experience whether we can grade the quality of this uh, solution compared to another uh, a longer term one or or short term one
1: i would like to um, just make reference to a blog post that i've seen recently by the chief of section leadership development at unhcr at the un refugee agency yeah and in this blog post joel nielsen this is the, the, the gentleman he he shared what Works actually better in virtual format, in leadership development in this large international humanitarian organization. And some of these, these points really resonated a lot with me and also with the experiences that we've made at the GCSP. So I would like to share, to answer your question, the key elements here of, of what works, what are the benefits of virtual education? And then also add some some of our experience. So the virtual format. So this is the first point. Like one of the key benefits in virtual education that we've seen um, during the last years is that the virtual format forces us to pay greater attention to the design and the delivery. So we dedicated much more time in thoroughly planning for and timing our sessions. This is I think there are two reasons. One reason for this is is because um, it's been new. So we had to learn how to how to deliver and facilitate on Zoom and on MS Teams and on WebEx and on all the other platforms. And that's why we've been more disciplined with, with the approach. And the second uh, uh, reason for this really strong I mean, sense for, for greater discipline and greater uh, attention to detail when designing the session is because we have the technology. We have to master the technology at the same time when we deliver. Mm. So... Um, Uh, I really hope that this attention to detail and the discipline will prevail um, once the pandemic is over, because it really helps us to be more performant also in our delivery. And the second advantage of virtual education, if you'd like, is, is that the retention of the learning is improved thanks to the learning journey design that we have adopted. So at the GCSP, as I said earlier, we've we've introduced this month-long experiences where we stretch the learning over a, a relatively long period of time with interruptions. And this actually helps participants to make the learning their own and to apply what they have learned in the meantime before coming to the next session um, to their own context and to better remember and, and use what they have learned. A third point to mention here is, is that we've also seen that participants are actually more engaged on the platforms than in the classroom, uh, to some extent. Mm. So in virtual education, we have shorter sessions. This is mainly to avoid Zoom fatigue. I mean, you've, you've heard about this phenomenon where participants sort of, or everyone actually gets a bit tired from uh, looking at the screen the whole day. So we really try to have condensed short sessions uh, instead of designing full-day programs as we would uh, in residential uh, education. So we plan in more time for individual reflection assignments and self-paced studies that are offline and design shorter but more intense live sessions, which help participants to really be more engaged to, to pay better, greater attention and to really be there when we are with them in the live sessions. Another benefit is that Teaching through the video conferencing platforms supported a more democratic sharing of airtime. This is what we've seen. Uh, participants have multiple ways to engage with each other, but also with, with our, te- like our staff through the various features that we have on our platforms. They can use the private chat. They can use the public chat. They can annotate the screens. Uh, they can express themselves on, on our online whiteboards. They can use the chat that we have in our, on our learning platform. So a lot is going on simultaneously while we are in our live virtual sessions with our participants, which also actually enhance the learning and which is something positive. So everyone, uh, we, we really can address the different learning styles and the preferences in virtual education, much more than we, we, we can do this in, in classroom trainings. And then now I have two two remaining points. So one of which is that with the virtual learning, we also have the ability, and this is actually a super important point, to scale to reach to many more people than possible during in-person interactions. I mean, it's uh, and 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 then also linked to this, virtual education is more cost-efficient. Uh, we don't need to fly in participants and facilitators from across the world. And of course, and this is I think this is really one of the most important points, and that made me think about virtual education really in a different way. Is is that in the end, it's it really is the most environmentally friendly way of international, international executive education there is. I bring this at the end, but uh, it really is important for future generations. And uh, I'm saying this as a mom of two boys. I think it's really important um, that we don't print papers when we do our virtual delivery. We don't fly in uh, speakers or participants. We... Cut down the, the 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 energy consumption, so um, it is a, a contribution to have a more respectful approach towards our planet. And this really thinking about the sustainability aspect of virtual education really made makes many people think differently about it. And so now, what does all of this mean for the future of learning? Is virtual education a temporary phenomenon, or will it last? Uh, I mean, having highlighted all of the benefits um, of virtual, there are of course also limitations. <laughs> Right. So, for example, the Zoom fatigue that I've already mentioned, um, issues with technology and connectivity. We do have participants who have insufficient bandwidth in their countries. Also, the lack of hardware is sometimes an issue that really limitates um, the way we can use virtual education. I mean, you still need a computer, uh, a laptop, uh, you need a headset, you need a good internet connection to make this work. And then, it's also my last point, but the most important one, the lack of the non-verbal communication in uh, virtual education, I mean, it's really difficult to have the eye contact with other participants, to read the facial expressions, to see the postures, the gestures, etc. And all of these, I mean, these non-verbal means of communications are so super important for effective interaction. As I said in the beginning, and specifically also in our field, in the peace and security domain, you know, with a view to building trust among the participants, which, which is one of our ultimate goals um, that we have at the GCSP so um, it is a continuous focus to get the human aspects of learning into the virtual setting so virtual education will not replace our kind of residential classroom training but it will remain an indispensable learning format in executive education it will be combined with face-to-face experience and uh, and i think really in the years to come the concept of blended learning which has been around for more than 20 years now will now be fully integrated in all executive education strategies. So we will also see more hybrid formats in the future. So the synchronous learning that teaches both in-person and online learners simultaneously. Uh, Thank you, Paul. I just want to mention that we really all have gone through a steep learning curve during the last months in all different areas and fields. And we all had to leave our comfort zones and we all had to take risks. And with with all the tragedy that the pandemic brought to us, it has also ignited innovation and creativity. And I'm still personally humbled to see all that could have been achieved to manage this complex crisis. And we are currently in a situation, as I said uh, in the beginning, where we really need to zoom out Mm -hmm. and to look back at what has actually happened and how this will impact our future. And if you don't mind, I would like to close from my side with a citation from French pilot and author Antoine Saint-Exupery. Yes,
0: excellent. (laughs) Um, Voilà.
1: Une cathedrale est bien autre chose qu'une somme de pierres. Elle est géométrie et architecture. Ce ne sont pas les pierres qui la définissent. C'est elle qui enrichit les pierres et sa propre signification. On ne dit rien d'essentiel sur la cathédrale si l'on ne parle que des pierres. Thank you, Paul.
0: Also, I guess our word of conclusion is that, uh, well, despite the difficulties, we're probably moving towards a world where people interested in pursuing an executive education or mid-career training will have uh, more choices and opportunities uh, despite this, I guess. That's an interesting uh, word to uh, end. It's uh, all we have for today's episode. So, thank you very much, Alexandra, for uh, joining us today. I'm really uh, glad you could uh, come to us. Uh, Listeners, uh, please uh, listen to us again next week uh, to hear the latest insights on international peace and security. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Anchor FM, Apple iTunes, follow us on Spotify and SoundCloud. I'm Paul Vallée with the Geneva Center for Security Policy. Until next time, bye for now.